All right, now back in making his seventh appearance with me here on Next on the T is Dan Quinn. Let me remind you about Dan's background. He's from Ottawa, Ontario, and grew up in Brockville, Ontario. He played hockey in the NHL from 1983 to 1997 with the Flames, Penguins, Canucks, Blues, Flyers, North Stars, Senators, and Kings. He was the co-winner of the Penguins Players Player Award in the 1986-87 season, and that award is voted on by the players and given to the player who exemplifies leadership for the team both on and off the ice and who is dedicated to teamwork. Over the course of Dan's hockey career, he scored 266 goals, had 419 assists, and totaled 685 points in 805 games. In golf, he was one of the top players out on the Celebrity Tour. He competed at the American Century Championship for many years. He won it five times and finished in the top 10 18 times. He's caddied out on the PGA Tour for players like John Daly, Ernie Els, and Yas Luton, and I'm very excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Dan, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, how are you? Good to see you. Good to hear from you. So, Dan, catch us up. What's been going on with you this year? How have you been dealing with all this COVID stuff? Well, I got you know, three kids, two are, two are in college, so I'm uh, I'm in Florida, which is, I don't know, I guess a bit of a bullish state not to uh, – Ah, it's just it's a nightmare. It's been a nightmare. But two girls in college that one's graduating, it's uh it's not been cool. But I don't I don't get it. It's just been a crazy time. I don't know how you're dealing with it, but it's been crazy. With you. And Dan, I, I thought it was kinda of funny a couple of I guess about a month or so ago I saw someone was giving you a hard time thinking you were the Falcons now former head coach. How many times have you had to deal with People banging on you, thinking you were uh, the Dan Quinn who was the head coach for the Falcons. Well, it's been uh, it's been interesting because I used to always say like a lot of the when when Google and all that stuff happened, I was happy to not have be the first person when you Google Dan Quinn happened, but uh, because because of some you know past mistakes. But I mean, when Dan Quinn took over for the Falcons, he took over the number one Dan Quinn, but. Unfortunately, I took it over to social media. All I did Twitter was to follow my kids, and I got all these Dan Quinn tweets from me. Lot he blew the Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple of years ago, so I started that. Started that little uh, funny exchange, but it's all good. Dan, I want to get your thoughts on the Masters, and I know we've talked about this before, but for anyone who hasn't uh, wasn't a part of the shows uh, on some of your previous visits, I know you're on the bag there for Ernie Els in 2010. Talk about what it's like being a caddy uh, at that event. The the event I did was in April. This was a unique event to, that just passed, and uh, I'm lucky enough to have got some inside scoops on uh, you know you know Wayne Gretzky's the Wayne's a friend of mine. He's been down here. We played golf last week and this week, and he was at Augusta for the Masters <clears throat> with the family. And uh, even though only one person could go on grounds, but it was a unique event, and, and I think in November versus April when I caddied in 2010, and Mickelson won. Ernie came 20. I caddied for Ernie Els that year, and he came he came 18th. But um, I just thought uh, it was a opportunity for somebody that I think is uh, an, upper, uh, an unbelievable golfer in, in Dustin to really separate himself in the next 18 months. To he could possibly win three. Three masters in the next. I, I I would be shocked if he doesn't win one of the next two in 21 and 22. So it's going to be a you know a, a kind of a coming of age of a guy that just buried everybody last you know two weeks ago to uh, the next 
April of 21 and April of 22. What was it like for Wayne to be a part of, you know, DJ's win and, and, a, and a historic win? First guy to ever reach 20 under par and outside of a, a few moments in the final round that uh, kind of made you scratch your head when the lead got down to two. But obviously he, uh, he, he righted the ship and then went on to a fantastic final round. What was it like for Wayne to be a part of that? Well, so there's just a couple, you know, well, there's Wayne's perspective in mind. And then you know, the, the two things I say that, uh, you know, obviously Dustin finally admitted he was nervous and he's never been nervous before. This meant a lot to him, a kid that grew up 70 miles from Augusta and probably is why after all the wins he's had on the PJ Tour, it took this long and maybe a, like a November uh, tournament and an ad hoc 2020 COVID year is the reason he won. And But I will be shocked if he doesn't win two or three more. Um, me as a professional, you know, as a golfer, and that's not from Wayne, but uh, Gress was there. They were, uh, they, they, they had a Canadian um, gentleman set up a house that had a lot of rooms. So they had the chefs, they had the grandkids, Wayne, Janet, Austin, and, and their trainer, Joey D, all stayed at the same house. And uh, I think they'll get it again in April. So it was, uh, it was, it was great to hear all the memories, the story, the stories, and, and so on and so forth. But I think that it, if you ask, I did an interview for TSN, I'm Canadian, uh, a week ago. The, the thing that would happen in November was it was softer and wetter, no no wind. And it had all the birdie pins were Thursday and Friday. And Dustin took advantage of it. You know, he got way under and then shot a 65 on Saturday. And I think that that, I think that the uh, Gusta members and whoever sets up the course in April of 21, will this will be a very difficult, like four or five under might win. It won't be 20 under again. And that's, uh, you know, the, the short daylight this year that, that, that they had, um, I think that's the reason they just didn't want to have guys out there all day. And, and they wanted to get it around be three o'clock so they could honor the CBS contract with football. It was a very unique year. And I think it, it bodes well for the future of Dustin Johnson winning golf tournaments in the majors, especially Augusta. I think he might win. I mean, it, it, the golf course is built for him. He's won it. And it's going to be interesting. I think he might. You know, he might win three or four of these in the next, you know, he's 37 by the time he's 45. And Dan, one of the things that uh, we talk an awful lot on this show about Augusta National is folks that haven't actually been on the ground don't get a really a, a good sense for the change in elevation that happens out there on Augusta National. TV just doesn't do it justice. For a guy who had to lug a tour bag up and down those hills, what was that like for you? I always, I've always said this about any golf course, flat, undulation or not. It's only heavy when they're over par. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if uh, you know Augusta, I never, I never looked at it once. I mean, it's a very uh, physical walk, but I never looked at it that way. I had so much fun being on the grounds. Um, I walked it before um, we teed off. I went and saw where the par three tees were. And, exactly so that I could give in, instant information when I got, you know, got to the holes on, you know, four, six, 12, and 16. I knew exactly where everything was. So I walked the course before even caddy. And then I met my player, you know, 90 minutes before he teed off. So it was never, a, it was never an energy problem, but to your point, uh, as a fan, I went there when I first retired from hockey six or seven years. And I was shocked how undulating the, the hills on, Nobody even knows when you go down the hill on eight and then go all the way up. It's like a 400 yard walk. It's a very, very significant 18 going down 10 up, back up 11. 
there's a lot of hills there that TV doesn't do it. But TV doesn't do it really justice in the sense that it's the most, you know, it's a spectacular piece of property. And, 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 and it's one of my favorite things I said to somebody, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a huge Steeler fan. I'm a huge football fan. Not so much baseball as much as I used to, but I love sports. But the number one thing I want to do when I retire from hockey was go to the Masters. It's, I think it's the greatest event. It transcends sports. And uh, two sports that I love are hockey and golf foremost. But I, I love going there. And uh, to get to work in 2010 with Ernie was uh, was a treat. I guess the the other question I had, Dan, is you know for a guy that you went there, and as you talked about going out there, and especially out to the par threes, but how did you learn how to read those greens? That's got to be a, a, a very difficult and time-consuming thing to understand where I need to tell my player that he needs to hit the ball in order to have an opportunity to make birdie. Well, we did uh, – you asked me about why I would go. I just wanted to have all the keys. If I could go and do some work that, and see some putts and uh, stuff, I thought that it was just, just an effort that a player would appreciate. Uh, as they teed off, and you said, I've already seen a guy putt from the back a second, the second hole, because it, it would be just lazy not to go out instead of sitting around having a coffee. As far as reading the greens, we had a uh, Ernie 2010 when I caddied for him. He had a we had the greens books, and we had a, an arrow. I put an arrow through every green that sort of was set up by a local caddy that he had met a couple three years before I worked for him. That basically put a, a line through every green that pointed to Ray's Creek and that's what everything kind of does. It does tug down to the bottom where the bridge is on 11 and 12. If you, if you look at Augusta, everything breaks to that no matter where you are on the property. So we had a, a line through there. And then at the end of the day, you know, I'm not trying to be conceited, but I, I know how to play golf and I knew you, there, there's grain on every green. You could see the grain, you could see where the tugs were and you could, um, and I, I could read green. So, I, we did. We had a good job that week, and uh, the putting wasn't our issue. We said we made three doubles. Otherwise, you know, Ernie might have contended. But it's it's a it's a it's a unique place, and bent grass, just like Bermuda grass, everything has a tug to it or a, a pull to it. And Augusta, especially, everything points down to that bridge on eleven and twelve. Dan, I want to switch gears with you. And you, you mentioned you, you know how to play golf, and there's no question about that. A guy that won the American Century Classic five times, uh, one of the best players ever out on the Celebrity Tour. Um, but the last time you and I talked, it was sort of a head scratcher. You hadn't been invited back to that uh, that event in a while. Has that changed? No, it hasn't. No, the. Uh... No, so I'm 55 now. So the, the me, Rick Road, Rick Road won it eight times. I won it five times. Billy Joe Tolliver won it three, and none of us are back. They, you know, they, they're, they're, uh, it's a business, and they're trying to keep everything current. And I understand that. So uh, they wanted Tony Romo to win it, which he's done. Um, I don't know. Mark Mulder's a big name, but he won it three times in a row. But he was more current. So no, so it has not changed. Um, and their in their dream world, it's a it's a made for TV event, except for the fact that. Some of us didn't treat it that way, <laughs> but you know they want Steph Curry or uh, um, you know Tony Romo to win it, and then then so that's where it's at. But Marty Fish, I don't, I don't, again, I had a 23 year run, won it five times, like you said, I think 18 times you said top 10, whatever. But I had a great time yep. every year I went out there, and it was a it was a thrill to play it. But at the same time, you know, 
Gress was talking to me about it today. I mean, I was an active player when I went my first time. I was still playing in the NHL. Uh, I was current. And uh, so I'll take that. And I shot under par for the very first time. Uh, I shot three under in 1992 when I was still in the NHL. But that's not that's not to my own horn. I'm just saying there's a, there's a few guys. It's, it's, there's a lot that you can play. It's just it's a it's really it was originally about guys that could play no matter what their celebrity status was to where it's become much more about celebrity status. And I'm not a celebrity. Wow. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, well, I had a career. Talk about, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to sign autographs in a restaurant. 55, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Dan, talk about your uh, teammate for a while, Mario Lemieux. You guys, I, I imagine, had some pretty uh, good matches against one another, probably over at Oakmont. Talk about that. Did you guys get over to Oakmont and play against one another on a uh, semi-regular basis? No. So Mario lived in uh, uh, for the well. He when we were in Pittsburgh together, he lived in Mount Lebanon. I I lived in Upper St. Clair. So if, if this is a Pittsburgh-based show, um, but anyways, yeah. So Mario and I, I remember the first year. I said, look, I'm not going to go back to Canada. I want to stay in Pittsburgh. You want to play? But if I stay here, we're going to play golf every day. And we did. We did that for like five, six, probably 10 years. And, uh, you know, Mario was a great player. Um, didn't didn't play golf like I did as a, as a junior at 12, 13. I was a little bit further along, but he had great, great swing, great hands. And we had a lot of fun. A couple of times we've been to, you know, played Pine Valley. We played a lot of golf tournaments, a lot of places that were, uh, very special memory, even to this day. I texted him today, so I heard he has he said some health problems. And um, anyway, we had a great time. Pittsburgh is the greatest. Uh, I mean, I'm still friends with Bob. Great friends with Bob Ford. Love the place to play golf. Uh, the, the Pennsylvania. I just I just love it. And it was um, Mario and I played a lot of golf. Not so much at Oakmont, but much more over at. We started at Rolling Hills. We joined together in 1987. The summer of that was my first summer there, and I think that's been, I don't know what's called now, but we basically a lot of the, most of the golf we played at a place called Nevillewood in Pittsburgh, and um, that opened in '92 through 2001. I think Mario plays more over near Sewickley or Allegheny now. Played a lot of golf at, at a place called Nevillewood in Pittsburgh. Dan, just a couple more before I let you go. And uh, your son's a pretty good golfer. Talk about his game. Yeah, so it's been a great try. You know, I have two daughters that are in college, and I just, they're actually in Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving with their mother um, this week. But my son's here, and he goes, no, I can't leave. Uh, I got to stay down here. He's got to, I just, you know, Bob Ford helped him. He's going he's gonna to caddy at Seminole this winter and on holidays. He's a freshman in high school. At uh, Anyway. My kid's got some, he's got a shot. I'm not one of those dads, you know, I'm not forcing him, but my kid's way better than I was at 14. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, he loves it. He's got the bug and, uh, he's got a great golf swing and, um, it's been fun. I love sitting here watching the masters with him and DJ and you know, I, I was, it's so hard to be a, somebody that played a pro sport to, to their, to teach their kid and know, you know, I get him in the car after he plays a bad round and I'm like, sorry, I'm not that dad. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? I'm not that kid. Good job, dad. Good job, buddy. You know, like, I'm like, sorry, buddy. That's just not that dad. But, it, but I tell you what, I got a kid that I think he's got a shot. He loves it. Um, he's got the, uh, intensity for it. He's got way more talent than I did at golf. And, um, 
I'm looking forward to see where he goes. He just turned 14, and um, yeah, so he's going to caddy. It's just, uh, it's just, it's a really just a trick box. I was just with Wayne today. I mean, he's got five kids, and his son's a really good player. We play with him. Tristan's his name, and he hits with a mile. He eagled a par five, par four from 275 into the wind today. But like, he goes, Quinter, I, I don't know how to tell them what to do. My wife pushes them. It's, it's a real trick box, and I think, you know, I, re- I appreciate you asking me the question. I think I have it in. I push my son just enough, but I let him. If he doesn't have the bug, there's no chance he has it. But I think he's got the bug, and he's got a great golf swing. And uh, we're, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those dads. Let's leave it at that. I'm not Tiger Woods' dad. I'm gonna let the kid. The kid's got to do it on himself, you know. So it's, it's a really hard thing as a, as a guy that made it in a pro sport to, to raise a kid. But my kid's got the bug, so it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I hopefully, uh, I got a lot of friends, including Bob Ford. They're gonna help him and. Um, I think he's got a shot to be a unique kind of cool kid, but it's a, it's it's just a tough thing to say to somebody at 14 years old. You know, I know what I was doing, but nobody told me what I was doing. I knew where I was going in hockey, and, and it's just a it's a really Chris. It's very hard to be parent of a kid that you think can do it and not push him too hard. And I'm trying not to push him too hard. Yeah, I understand. I know what it's like, my friend. Dan, you mentioned yeah, you're a big Steelers fan, as as am I. So I got to get your thoughts. You know, ten and zero, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm a little nervous for you know some of these close games that they've had. Obviously, not this past weekend, but what are your thoughts on the Steelers? Do they got a shot? Do you think they can go all the way? Have they played their best game yet? I don't think. I they don't have. think so. No, I don't think they have. I mean, I thought the first four weeks, I was worried about the defense, and now the defense is better than the offense. And I know I know Ben's playing unreal. Like he should be an MVP candidate. And he got my boy from Canada. Oh, hold on, my boy from Canada, Claypool. He's like on fire. And I think you got. But the defense is the only thing I was worried about. And I don't know. I I think Kansas City's getting. They're in the their side of Kansas City. Tampa Bay's in in a bad spot now. But I wish there was a way that everybody had to go through Pittsburgh at ten and zero. I wish Kansas City had to go through Pittsburgh with all the fans, but there's no fans. There's really no home field advantage, but I think they're for real. I, I, tell me, I'm, I think they're for real. And then I think defense is what shocked me the last six weeks. I thought the first four weeks I was worried about them, but big game Thursday night, but they're going to blame it on COVID if Baltimore guys can't play. But um, no, I think, I, I mean, I think Pittsburgh's, I think the Steelers are for real. I really do. I think they're, they're a legitimate contender. You tell me. Yeah, no, I think so too. I, I, but I'm with you. The defense makes me a little nervous. I'm, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, going up against Kansas City and, uh, and trying to cover the pass. I, they, those guys worry me in the, in the defensive backfield. And then what we saw from, uh, some of the guys, particularly in the last Baltimore game where they, you know, they ran for, they had three guys run for over 50 yards in the first half. Uh, I was concerned. So I'm a little concerned about that. I think the offense is going to figure it out. To your point, I think Ben is, is uh is an mvp candidate this year and the wide receivers are tough to deal with i wish we had a, a little bit more in the running game to balance it out uh but i'm i'm a little bit worried about the defense we'll see how it goes but uh i i think they're yeah, for real defense, i think defense, they, the first couple of weeks i was worried but i'm i mean they've actually they're actually the better side of the ball right i mean if i'm unless i'm missing something but i don't know you can't tell when they play cincinnati or they play you know they play down they always play since I've known right. the Steelers since I played there, and they always play down to their competition. 
I think they played the Jacksonville game. They played down. They coached, let's just win 27-3. Let's not, you know, they, they're not going to score on us. Speaks volume to how good they think their defense is. Whereas when they're going to play Kansas City, you're going to have to score in the high 30s. You're going to have to score more than 30 points to beat them, and you're going to have to make some turnovers. I, I just think they're, I think they're a legitimate contender, and I only look at who they're going to have to play. To get, get past Kansas City is going to be very tough out. And they're on the same side of the football field, or same side of the conference. But um, anyway, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I just watched Tampa Bay last night. I, I'm, pull, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan, so I love Tom Brady, even though I'm a Steeler fan. Dude, he's going to be seven. He's got to play Kansas City this week. He's going to be seven and five. They might miss the playoffs. I mean, it's just going to be a right. very interesting. You know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting what happens. But I think the Steelers, if they can beat Baltimore and get them, they're not even a part of the equation. That's a Big, big. They win tomorrow night, Thursday night. Baltimore, Pittsburgh clinches, and Baltimore has no chance of seeing them again. That's big. So yeah, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, no, I'm with I'm, you. I'm, I'm just throwing. I think I think the Steelers are for real. I mean, I'm. I don't know enough. I can't really tell with no home field advantage and how. I know if I knew if if everybody had to go through Pittsburgh to get to the Super Bowl, then I would say Steelers are going to the Super Bowl. But because there's no fans, that's the only thing I say. Because I know what it's like to play. Be a, be a fan and be in Pittsburgh. It's a tough place to play. If Kansas City had to come through Pittsburgh with 56,000 people or whatever there is at Heinz Field, but when there's only 500, it's going to be a different animal. But that's that's the only that's the only thing I say. And same thing, if Pittsburgh had to go to Kansas City and go through Arrowhead, when you have to go through there, and there's, but there's no fans. So I don't even know what home field means. So, But I think Pittsburgh going right. 10 and 0, I'm unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to see what NHL does. I can't wait to watch hockey again. I thought the uh, I thought the fall program they did was unbelievable, but uh, I've never heard anybody tell me nobody knows what's going to happen. And I, I, I'm I'm worried for I'm worried for live sports for hockey. I, I really don't know. They need they need fans in the buildings, and and if they can't start in January, I don't know what's going to happen. So hopefully this whole world gets gets on par. I don't know. It's a crazy time. To answer your question that you first asked me about COVID. <laughs> Dan, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? It's all good. I'm on Twitter. I, mean, I don't I do not do so, so much social media, but it's all good. Always good talking to you, Chris. Thanks for shout-outs every Sunday morning, and, and then it's always great to talk to a Pittsburgh fan. Nah, I appreciate you, Dan. Take care. Stay safe out there. Happy holidays to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. That's the great Dan Quinn. And folks, he's very humble, but uh, tremendous athlete, tremendous celebrity, and a tremendous golfer. Again, you know, you go back and you look at what he did on the celebrity tour. Again, won the American Century Classic five times. And I guess to his point, you know, they want to stay current. But you want to talk about guys that dominated that event. He and Rick Roden. You know, to, to Danny's point, Roden won it eight times. Dan won it five times. So those two guys, and, and Roden, oh, by the way, spent, uh, spent some time in Pittsburgh pitching for the Pirates. But those two guys were as dominant on the celebrity tour as anybody. And our good friend over, over on Thursday night tailgated from an NFL perspective, Steve Markowski also has some game, by the way, uh, was out there playing, uh, in those events as well. So. Uh, I just thought it was a head scratcher when uh, when you've got those guys that uh, were so dominant that uh, the invitation stopped coming and they wanted other guys out there. Like like you said, I guess they want Tony Romo to win. They want Steph Curry to win. So 
let's get some of these guys that are winning this event and we won't invite them back to give these other guys an opportunity uh, uh, to be the champion. But uh, Dan, tremendous, tremendous hockey player, tremendous golfer and a tremendous uh, individual. So look forward to catching up uh, with Dan again uh, next season. And speaking of which, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T, sending out my sincere thanks to Tom Patrick, Nick O'Hearn, Tom Naramore, and Dan Quinn for joining me tonight. And uh, my thanks to all of you for being a part of the show again this season. Like I mentioned at the top, we're going to be on hiatus for a couple of months. But if you love football, I hope you'll join me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, over on our show Thursday night tailgate. That's going to be on the same uh, blog talk radio and the same uh, podcasting site. Uh, we, we're live Thursday nights from at, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time, but you'll be able to find us on all of the great sites like you can find this show. Again, if you love podcasts and you're on podcasting sites, you're going to find this show and that one on podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm and Radio.com as well. Uh, please stay up to date with our website, nextonthetea.net. Uh, we'll have some, you know, I'm sure some special events, uh, you know, a, a couple of interviews here and there over the winter, plus things that our friends and our sponsors are doing. So we hope you'll stay in touch with the show by going on there and keep keep your eyes out because uh, we'll start posting what uh, what our next season will look like and who will be joining us over there on that website. Folks, I can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in and making us a part of your golfing content. Until next season, hit them straight, my friends.